1963, there was this researcher by the name of Edward, and he was working on some calculations through a computer program. And as he was working on the calculations in his computer program, he was trying to determine weather patterns and how things changed weather patterns and all of those kind of variables. And he was late for a meeting. And as he was late for a meeting, he he was putting in a series of numbers. And on one number, he decided, I'm just not going to put the whole thing in. I'm just going to round off real quickly. And he, instead of putting in 0.506127, He put in 0.506 and left it. He came back and had run this simulation many times. He was expecting to see some minuscule changes to what had happened. But in his computer programming model, what he suddenly realized, there were major weather changes that happened in this simulation. Major heat spikes, earthquakes, tsunamis, climate change. All because he forgot to put in three seemingly unimportant numbers. Scientists became uh, aware of this and began to publish things about it. And it became known as the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect basically says that small changes in one part of our world can make major differences all around it. I was thinking about it this week, thinking about the all-in series of messages we've talked about. And uh, uh, this is the conclusion that I've come to from Bible study and from knowing what I know about the world we live in, that every single one of us can have a major impact on the world in which we live. And the truth is, we are one decision, one risk, one thought, one idea, one moment away from making that difference. In fact, today, here's what I want to do. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn it to Judges chapter 3. We're going to look at a guy who has a major impact in Scripture in one sentence. In fact, in the entire Bible, there are only two sentences about this guy, but the impact he makes in the one sentence is unbelievable. This is in Judges chapter 3, and it's one verse... It's the last verse of Judges chapter 3, and I think we've got it for the screen for you. This is it. After Ehud, which we're going to talk about him in a minute because it's a really cool story. It really doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to talk about, but I want to talk about it because it's a really cool story. All right, Shamgar, son of Anath, became judge. And he delivered Israel by striking down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. How many of you know who Shamgar is before this moment? Look at that. We're learning today, all right? How many of you know who Ehud is? Oh, we got one down here. Thank you, Josh Norman. Good. Ehud, Shamgar, Anoth, Oxgoads. This is right out of today, isn't it? I mean, some of you out here are looking for names for kids. I mean, we got three of them. Ehud, Shamgar, and Anoth. I mean, girl or boy, I think, can go either way. This amazing story, and here's what I want you to kind of understand. That, that minuscule changes can make huge difference in the life of a nation and in the life of individuals. So here's the scene. We're in the book of Judges. We're just going to leave that verse up there because it's really the only verse we're going to talk about in depth today. In the book of Judges, the Israelites are past the point where Joshua, the great leader, Moses, the great leader, have led them into the promised land, and they're just kind of there. 
And they start to realize that they didn't take care of everything God asked them to do with the people that were already living there. And so they start kind of liking what they liked, the people that were there, and listening to their teachers and following their gods. And throughout the book of Judges, you have this cycle where the people of God live for the Lord and then they get bored with that and they start living for something else. And as they start living for something else, they get in big trouble. And as they get in big trouble, they suddenly realize, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be living for the Lord. We're supposed to be living for him. And so they call out to God and say, God, we need you. We need you. We need you. And God says, I've been here all along. Here's somebody to deliver you. God delivers them through a judge. They get back on the right track. They live like they're supposed to live and then they get bored with that and they start doing what they're not supposed to do and then they get into trouble and then they call out to God and God says I've been here and here's a judge and they deliver them and they start living for the Lord and then they get bored with that you just get over and over and over when we get to Judges 3 we're very early in this cycle in fact um, the people in Judges are, are living in such a way that it says about them several times that Israel had no king and the people did what was right in their own eyes. They just lived what they thought was right. Well, to me, what I think we ought to do is this, and they just lived that way. We get to Judges chapter 3, and Shamgar is actually the third judge. The first one was Othniel. There's another name for you, right? And he had this major military conquest. And it says right after his military conquest, the Lord delivered them and everything was good. And then it says, and then the people began to do their own thing. And they started to do what was right in their own eyes. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord handed them over to the Moabites. And to this king named Eglon. And here's what's really crazy. When it describes this scene, it gives us a foreshadowing at the beginning when it says, and God was going to deliver them from Eglon by the left-handed judge Ehud. How many left-handed people we got here today? There you go. You can be proud of Ehud. He is your judge. All right? And he's a left-handed judge, and he is Ehud, and he is going to up against this Moabite king named Eglon, and it says, and King Eglon was very fat. Then that's in there for a reason, all right? So here's what happens. The people of Israel realize that Ehud is their deliverer, and they call upon him, and they give him something to deliver to the king, and he takes it to the king, he delivers it, he starts to walk out, and the Bible says, he says back to the king, wait a minute, I've got a secret message for you. And the king sends all of his servants out, and it's just Ehud and Eglon. Ehud walks up to him to tell him the secret message, And it had already told us that he had built, especially for this occasion, a double-edged 18-inch sword. And as he gets close to Eglon, he's left-handed. They didn't expect it. He reaches over into his right side, pulls out the sword, and it says he puts it into Eglon to where even the hilt goes in and the fat wrapped around it. It's in there. Go look at it. It's good, all right? And he, it says it goes so far in that he just left it in there. 18 inch blade. Then it says, this is the fun part, all of his insides come out. Ehud sneaks out, locks the door. Everybody thinks the king's going to the bathroom. That's what it says in scripture. He goes and he rallies his troops when they find him dead and they conquer the enemies of God. 
Two times this cycle has happened. When in the midst of it, they get bored with it. And they start living for their own lives again. And into the scene comes Shamgar, son of Anath. Apparently one day some Philistines started to make some trouble. And he pulled out his ox goat like we all would. Right? How many of you have an ox goat? Yeah, me neither. All right. Anybody, how many know what an ox goat is? Thank you over there. I see a couple of hands right here. Mr. Carpenter, thank you. All right. So here's what an ox goat is. He, he apparently, we, he doesn't tell us this, but apparently he was a farmer. Okay. And as a farmer, he would have been behind the oxen a lot. He would have been plowing behind them. And occasionally, oxen don't want to work. And so when you're behind them plowing, you need an instrument that was just a long piece of wood with a sharp edge on the end that you would goad an ox by poking him in the hind quarters. All right. Let's go. Come on. Now, some people think that, that these instruments were generally, that you realize this was a day and time, they didn't have them mass produced. So there would have been some difference in them. About 10 feet long. Now, think about that. What, what, what gives you reference for 10 feet? What, like a basketball goal, right? So imagine an implement of wood with a steel kind of tip or not steel but a stone tip that had been chiseled down on the end of it standing up that is as big as a basketball goal that cannot be easy to carry around but it says that Shamgar under the threat of the enemies of God took out 600 guys with one of those three things I want us to see from this passage real quickly and we're going to do this real fast because I know that I've already lost half the youth and their sleep deprivation is sinking in. All right. Like they're on their I see them slapping each other doing this. All right. right, Here we go. Three things I want you to think real quickly. First of all, here's what I see about Shamgar in this passage. First of all, start where you are. When it comes to following the Lord, you just need to start where you are. Now, that means you don't worry about your past. That means you don't worry about the future. Just right here, right now, where I am, how am I supposed to start living for the Lord? Some of you youth this week, you've been in worship, you with your small group, and God is speaking to you somehow about what you need to do and how you need to live and you need to, things that are going on in your life that aren't right. There is no time better than now to start. There's an old saying, what was the best time to plant a tree 20 years ago? Well, what's the second best now? Do it now. Start. Whatever the Lord has kind of laid on your heart, you've got to go. Uh, Parents, adults, if your kids come home and say, Mom, Dad, this is what God's told me. I need to begin that. Don't say, well, why don't you wait a couple of weeks to we'll get working on that. Now, you've you got too many tests this week. You've got too much stuff you're going on at school. Let's, the summer gets here. We'll, we'll start helping you with that. Now. It tells us, and the only other verse that mentions Shamgar says that the things were so bad in Shamgar's day that people were taking the back roads because they didn't want to go down the main road because the Philistines were waiting on people and would ambush them. What also seemed to be happening is they were walking into places and just taking over farms, destroying, killing people, destroying land, taking whatever they wanted from it and saying, this is ours. They were literally like pirates running in and destroying everything, taking all the loot out and getting back. 
And Shamgar said, I'm not taking it anymore. Right here, right now, where I am, I'm taking care of my place. What have you been putting off? Well, you know, when things get a little calmer, then maybe I will... In a few months, when everything settles down a little bit, then I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. Or it's just, it's just a crazy time for us right now. I mean, it'll settle at some point, and then I'll be able. Shamgar didn't have any of those moments in this story of then I'll be able or someday. He didn't have the someday syndrome. He just acted. In fact, what's interesting is, next to David, this may be the craziest story of an underdog in Scripture. I read this week about a, a lady, young girl, teenager. They went on a mission trip to Thailand. And as she was on the mission trip in Thailand, she felt the Lord really leading her to take over some things and to help in some ministry areas there. And so when she became a young adult, very young, in her 20s, she left and she went over there and started working with these women that were in... Um, part of the industry where they've been taken advantage of and slavery and pulling them out of that and even watching over 13, 14 year old girls. She said, I'm 22 years old. What difference can I make in a 14 year old girl's life? But she just began to house them. And when they asked her about it, she said, I'm beginning to realize a little crazy goes a long way when you're talking kingdom crazy. Shamgar here is a guy that just starts where he is, but then he just uses what he has. An ox goad. I don't know of any other place that I have ever read about an ox goad. So here's what I know. It's not a very good weapon or you'd read about it a lot, right? I mean, nobody's out there going, man, if we could just get us some ox goads, we'd be all right. But he knew how to use it and it was his. It's what he had. People looked out there and I'm sure his neighbors were like, you're going to do what with your what? You can't do that. It's 600. He's like, I, don't, I can't take it anymore. I'm going. That's what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do it. Remember, some of you were here a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Jonathan and his armor bearer. Remember that? He, at least he had a sword going up there. This guy's walking around with a farm implement. Going after him. 600. I've tried to imagine in my mind what that looks like. I can't imagine it because I don't even know what the thing looks like. But I mean, a 10 foot tall just swinging that thing around. It's like something out of an epic movie here. He used what he had. Here's what I'm going to tell you. This is true for Shamgar and it's true for us. God has given you everything you need to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. And some of you in this room have believed the lies of the enemy that tells you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not popular enough, you don't have this, you don't have that, you're not part of that group or this group, you can't make a difference because maybe the lies of the enemy are coming through parents, maybe they're coming through friends, maybe they're coming through acquaintances, maybe they're coming through teachers or coaches, but here's the truth. God has given you everything you will ever need to accomplish what he's called you to do. If you depend on him. Now, I didn't say it's going to be easy. In fact, in many times it's going to seem impossible. One verse 600 are impossible odds. So just trust him and do what he's called you to do with what he's given you. Most of us are like Moses. God calls us or we think we ought to do something, but I can't do that. I can't speak. I can't talk. I can't do God, how am I going to be the spokesman? I'm not very good at speaking. I, I read this week about a guy that, that visited with Martin Luther King Jr.'s family. And as they visited with his family, they, they, somehow they, they got to looking at his report cards. I don't know how the conversation goes there, but they did that. And this person that was writing, this evangelist, said that as he was looking at his report card, that Martin Luther King's consistently lowest grades were in public speaking. 
And that's kind of amazing, isn't it? I mean, y'all know who Martin Luther King Jr. is, right? Like, I have a dream, you know that? Like, you know, change the world with the speech, you know, that kind of thing. He just used what the Lord had given him and did it. And here's the last thing I want you to see, and then we're done, okay? You start where you are, you use what you've got, and here's the thing. You never know the impact you're going to make. Here's what I love about this story. It'd be a great story if it just said, and Shamgar struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goat. But it says more than that, doesn't it? What does it say he did? He what? Delivered Israel. He saved a nation. Because he did what he was supposed to do. You never know the impact you're going to make when you simply choose to obey the Lord. But I'd sure like to find out. Let's pray together.